Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Today we're welcoming composer and filmmaker Mark Crawford onto the show, who's recently scored the Netflix film The Social Dilemma. So welcome, Mark. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. And um, where in the world are you? Where are we speaking to you from? I am speaking to you from Longmont, Colorado, which is just outside of Boulder, kind of northern Colorado. Oh, lovely. What's it like there at the moment? Um, it's starting to warm up. It was uh, very cold last week, uh, very snowy, but um, just just trying to keep warm in the, my basement. Mm, okay, yeah, sounds a little bit colder than here. We've had a cold snap as well, but not nothing compared to what you've had, I'm guessing. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. And um, what... What um, was, I guess we're, we're not very far into this year, are we? What, what was last year like for you, just in terms of your work? Were you able to just hunker down in, you know, some kind of home studio and carry on? What was it like for you? Yeah, 2020 was uh, definitely an interesting year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it was the year that Social Dilemma came out and we were kind of watching how it unfolded across the world, you know, from our individual houses and um, it was kind of wild just to, just to hear what was the buzz that was going on. Um, and, uh, on the music side, you know, it was, uh, it was after coming off of the social dilemma, I was starting to kind of think of how to release the, um, the album soundtrack and then, uh, started on creating like a, a cover for the song. I put a spell on you. Um, so I kind of worked on that for a while. Um, and then I also, uh, was working on a lot of just original songs too, and just kind of focusing on a lot of music that wasn't a part of any project. That's kind of like a music therapy for what was going on mm-hmm. in the world too. Okay, that's nice. Sounds like you've been using your time wisely. And um, the social demo was done, wasn't it? Before you know everything kicked off with the pandemic and everything. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, we we premiered it at um, Sundance of 2020, early on in the year, um, and then the pandemic hit right after that. And we kind of saw what was going on with disinformation after, um, with, with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so we made some updates to the movie and, uh, updates to the music as well. Um, so that was another task that I had last year as well. All right. That's really interesting. Yeah. Because the rise of, um, you know, conspiracy theories about the virus, about the vaccine have just been, well, I'm sure we've all seen it. We've all got someone on our Facebook that has questionable um, thoughts and seemingly inside knowledge. So, you know, more power to them. But how, how did that work then with getting that kind of side of things into the film with the content and the score then? Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of wild seeing, you know, the film that we created back in the end of 2019, finished up back in the uh, end of 2019, and then see that kind of uh, unfold in real life, almost like we were predicting the future with our film. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was just made it all the more like pertinent to, um, to really make this movie the best it can be. Mm, absolutely and um in terms of your route into composing where you first started how did you first get into it um I think I became passionate about film music I was I was trying to think of when when this happened but I think it was back in elementary school actually I listened to a bunch of film scores with my older sister when she did homework and um, then she'd create like these little mixtapes of you know Danny Elfman and John Williams mm-hmm. and James Newton Howard. Um, and so I'd be the cool kid at school listening to, you know, 
film scores while everybody else listened to like boy bands and, and things like that. Um, and then at the same time, I was also creating films as well. Uh, I'd borrow my parents' VHS camera and just create little fr- uh, little movies with my friends. And, um, you know, I'd put these mixtapes in a boom box and hold them up to the VHS camera and kind of create a in-camera soundtrack. And so that was like my first relationship or seeing the relationship with uh, music and film and that passion and, and, and seeing how that affected audiences when I showed it to them um, just kind of carried through college and into my professional work. Oh, interesting. And um, did, uh, did your sister end up exploring that side of things when it came to her work as well? No, she actually became a teacher. Oh, okay. Um, so she teaches high school now, yeah. Okay, a bit different. Nice that she yeah. inspired you, though, so early on. You've conjured up memories I'd forgotten I had about using clunky, yeah. you know, camcorders to make films and stuff and radio shows with cassettes. So, yeah, it's <laughs> nice yeah, to hear you older, older sisters are the best. They, can, they show you a whole, whole world. Well, as an older sister, I can confirm that, yes, we are very good. <laughs> we are very good. <laughs> and um, so it sounds like then this is sort of always what you wanted to do. There was, was there no plan B? Did you have some kind of, I don't know, uh, other career option planned? You were chartered accountant or something trained or did, was it just fully onto the music? Well, I, I really loved music um, all throughout high school. Um, but I decided to go into uh, film production when I went to um, when, when I went to college, just because I didn't want to be in a practice room twenty four seven throughout my college days, um, and I just wanted to learn more about story and that aspect of it, and learn all the different uh, aspects of production. Um, and so I think that really helped me uh, have a good grasp on story and and kind of have a holistic approach to film composing later on. Um, and, uh, you know, after college, I just kind of got into the production world a bit and that's where I met, um, happened to meet, uh, Jeff Orlowski, uh, while he was working on Chasing Ice, his first documentary, um, and kind of got involved with that, you know, uh, doing some additional music and, um, doing some, a little bit of production work. And then that led to Chasing Coral, which is also a little bit of additional music, a little bit more and some more production work, and then eventually The Social Llama. I see. So was Chasing Ice the first film that you did a score for? Um, it was the first big film I would say I did additional music for. It was kind of mm. like my little my foot in the door, my pinky toe in the door. Okay, okay. And from doing that then, um, what were some of the big things that you learned? You must have learned, I guess, things to do and things not to do, I'm guessing. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I got to sort of shadow uh, uh, Jay Ralph, J- Josh Ralph, um, who was the composer for that one, um, as he was creating it and kind of saw his approach. So I had started out, you know, I was thinking I was gonna, I was gonna score the whole film, and I was, you know, what, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed right out of college uh, with my first film. And, um, you know, it's created a bunch of temp music for that. And he ended up eventually scoring it. So I was like a little bit of just dis- little disappointed, but then I got to see kind of how he approached it. And that was a huge learning experience. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. It does sound like a good learning experience there to learn from someone so, so well, well versed in it, I guess. And, um, 
for anyone listening that doesn't know so obviously it's kind of self-explanatory but um chasing ice so this is about the planets rapidly melting um glaciers and chasing coral about coral reefs dying on this massive scale so you know they're quite big environmental issues big topics as well so how did you go about you know approaching these in terms of when it came to the music um how i approached them when it came to music uh well i think with chasing ice um i think the score the two the two points in the score that i was scoring were you know the greenland ice sheets like a big flyover so i was thinking a really really big orchestral type of type of sound um when it came to chasing coral um i was working with uh dan romer um who was like my hero as a as um uh, he was like a big icon that i'd look up to uh, with beasts of the southern wild and um some of his other scores so it was really cool to to get a chance to work with him and uh, i think the approach was you know i would score the uh underwater diving scenes and kind of have this like 80s synth type of sound with my score that would kind of counteract his orchestral um, uh, other elements in his score. Mm, interesting. And I was thinking just visually, these types of films must lend themselves to being quite cinematic, I'm guessing, because of, you know, the amazing underwater shots with all the coral and the, the fish and everything. And then, you know, these vast expanses of ice. Am I right in saying that? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I I love scoring these films because the, the visual aspect that um, Jeff Orlowski brings to them, um, especially with the with the underwater elements, it just kind of creates a whole new palette of instruments. And um, you know, you you kind of take your synesthesia type of your brain, which is like combining different elements and mm. or different senses, and you're kind of thinking of the visual elements and imagine because I'm a, also a diver myself too. So thinking about how under how water. Uh, so thinking about how music might sound underwater or some of the uh, the music that plays in your head when you're diving. Mm, oh, that's a really interesting element to have on that then from your perspective as a diver. How interesting. Yeah. Um, do you have synesthesia then, if you don't mind me asking? Um, yeah, I do. I, I kind of, um, I think I do. I mean, it's kind of like a, um, I think over the years I've kind of honed in on it and kind of used it to to my abilities uh, to to score. Um, but I think I kind of see, I, I hear a lot of textures and I kind of see a lot of sounds. Um, I, when I see images, I kind of get like this internal feeling of what, um, what the sound should, should feel like. It, it's kind of a weird, it's really hard to explain, uh, with a lot of synesthesia. It's just a very, um, it's an internal, uh, feeling that you get. I, I, mm. I'm not sure how to explain it. No, I find it fascinating because I've actually spoken to you maybe about the fifth um, person who's actually got some form of synesthesia and they're all musical. Um, I wonder if it's just instinctively linked to that side of the brain. It must be, I suppose. Yeah, I I, mean, I created a, um, I actually created a documentary back in college called Synesthesia. And so I kind of researched it for a while and I didn't think anything of it because my friend had it and I was doing a documentary on him. Um, and then later on, I kind of noticed some, some things I was doing or th some ways I was thinking about things that were definitely synesthesia like. Mm. 
Well, um, everyone that I've spoken to, and it sounds like you're embracing it in the same way, has sort of used it to their advantage when it comes to music. You can create things and interpret things in a different way. So, yeah, that's just really interesting to hear from you on that. Yeah, yeah, that definitely uh, comes in handy when it comes to uh, film scores. Mm. Oh, for sure, I bet. And um, you've, um, I've seen you've worked across quite a range of genres of projects, so I'm guessing one of the joys of composing is to be challenged by all these different subject matters and approaches that you can do. Is that right in saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, especially with documentary um, film scores, you kind of get to uh, live the life of these characters, um, live vicariously through these characters um, that you're scoring. Um, and then there's also this this element of, uh, you know, empathy and um, there, let me... Let me think of the right word here. The, uh, um, sorry, one sec. I would help you out here, but I've got no idea where you're going with this. I'd I'd throw out a bunch of words for you. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, there is a lot of uh, ethics involved with scoring documentaries um, where you want to make sure that you're, that when you're uh, writing music, to characters and and their storylines that uh, it feels authentic to the story and it feels authentic to them. And you're not guiding the audience into some place that's not true to the, to that story and those characters. Yeah. And I suppose you do have to tread a really delicate line of um, like you say, not taking away from what's actually happening in the moment. There might be a temptation, I suppose, to do that sometimes with, you know, Oh, this is a really key piece. We could really make this really emotive, but I suppose mm-hmm. you have to just decide when to let the scene breathe, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And, um, I'm just curious as well, do you have a genre that maybe you'd love to score someday that maybe you haven't got to yet that looks fun? <laughs> well, uh, a lot of people have said that the social dilemma is sort of like a, uh, it's, it feels like a horror film, almost like a real life horror film. Yes, I thought that um, from watching the trailer. I haven't seen the documentary. I'm going to watch it tonight, though. But yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, uh, you know, growing up with an older sister, she had introduced me to a bunch of horror movies when I was little. When I was like way too young to watch horror movies, um, but that's always been a genre that's been really fascinating to me because I think um, it's a way to put you know, society's anxieties and fears out on the screen and in, um, in stories. And I think that's just like, that's super interesting. It would be fun to, to play around with. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah, that does sound like it'd be really good. So, um, obviously onto the social dilemma. So, um, you're the sole composer for this and it premiered obviously last year at the Sundance Film Festival. And I saw that 38 million households watched it in its first 28 days. That's the power of Netflix for you though, isn't it? Um, so, you know, that, that's a lot of people that have heard your score. How does that feel just to hear that? It's probably it's gone up by now, I suppose. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, I mean, we, we thought it would be impactful just because it was a, a subject on social media and everybody was you know, on social media, and that's kind of how our lives have been shaped around during this pandemic era, but we didn't know it was going to be this, this big. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's just hard to predict what, um, what's going to be a big hit on Netflix, but you've definitely got a captive audience, I suppose, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one small good thing. Yeah. One way to look at it anyway. So, um, given what the film is about, so, you know, exploring the dark side of social media, um, and all of the things that go with that you've mentioned, you know, conspiracy theories, you know, everyone knows the 
the things that can happen on social media now and how they can affect you but um so was this an immediate yes when you were asked if you were interested um yeah i actually started working on the social dilemma as a sound recordist Um, so i was recording um a lot of the interviews and the um and recording a bunch of the interview ease and uh yeah i'd start to come up with just ideas about how the soundtrack would be um based on the the subjects they were talking about you know with humans versus technology um and then i just went home and kind of snuck off and created some sketches based on these ideas um working with digital elements and working with real instruments um kind of came up with a sound and i showed it to jeff and davis and they really liked it because it fit the the feeling of the film and that's sort of how the first discussions began on uh as me as the composer on the social dilemma i see so i was wondering how you went from sound recordist to being composer and how you made that leap so uh, yeah obviously must have had quite an effect on you if you were so inspired to go off and do things sort of um with not being asked to yeah yeah absolutely i mean i the the one thing i was i kept on thinking about was you know it could computers and algorithms take over human creativity at some point. Um, you know, I, I read about this study. Um, I think it was Sony labs that uh, created this algorithm that would kind of mimic the works of Bach and recreate them, uh, recreate new, new pieces based off of Bach's works. And um, I was just fascinated with that. And I kept on thinking about like, what would a, what would a computer, um, create in terms of a film score what would what would that sound like i even thought about like you know could i program an algorithm to create a film score uh what would that sound like i don't think we're quite there yet but um we may get there someday Mm, well maybe not too soon that's not good for the composers (laughs) yeah job security yeah yeah i'm just being a bit noisy about the tech about the sound recording side of things we got into the score we're using electrosonics for that um, I was, I, um, I use electrosonics, uh, uh, Omnisphere for kind of creating the theremin instrument that kind of plays throughout the, the film and kind of used a f- bunch of different waveforms for that. Um, uh, and use that. And I used a bunch of different kind of element, digital elements, digital instruments as well to just kind of sprinkle on top of the, the human elements that were in there too. Mm, yep. That makes sense. And, um, so when you decided on how to approach this, did you sit down with the showrunners with a sort of guideline on what they wanted or did they mainly leave it up to your interpretation? So I, yeah, as I was, uh, as I said, uh, when I was listening to the interviews, um, I was thinking about the, you know, the approach and um, you know, how a f- the film score would sound like. And, you know, I brought this idea up to Jeff. We talk, kind of talked through it about, you know, how the, the narrative world would sound versus the documentary world. Uh, would the, there be two different scores? Would there be two different sounds for those? And uh, what we kind of landed on was, you know, thinking about could we could we do a, a human type score and then a digital score and then have them kind of interact throughout the film based on the um, where the characters were emotionally uh, in the arc. Um, and I think that was that was the the fun thing is figuring out how those two interacted throughout the film. Okay. And I'm just wondering, how does the score change in the film as the humans, um, you know, come to rely more and more on technology, perhaps as it goes along? 
Yeah. So at the beginning, you kind of, when we introduce the narrative world and the, the narrative characters, we kind of hear a more orchestral traditional film score. Um, this is, you know, more strings and more piano. Um, you kind of get the heart of a, of the, the human instruments. Um, but then there's like something just a little off at the beginning too. And there's some, some digital elements kind of sprinkled in to kind of warp that, that human world around a little bit. Um, and that begins to eventually take form um, throughout the film where the digital elements start to kind of take over all the digital synthesizers. Um, I used an awesome instrument called the modular synthesizer, which is just kind of crude machine sounds almost to kind of just um, mingle in with some of the, the, the uh, human instruments. Um, and so, yeah, I'd, I'd start to think of like the, the, the palette of the instruments as, you know, if you have a one human instrument paired with its digital doppelganger, almost mm. like the digital doppelgangers in the film, and you have those counteract with each other um, where, you know, that sometimes the digital elements take over more than the, than the human elements. And the, in the midpoint of the film, when Isla, the, the young girl is looking into the mirror, that's kind of the point where, you know, the digital and the human side see eye to eye as well. Um, that's where you have the, the, that theremin sounds from Omnisphere sounding like a, almost like a human voice singing. Then you have like a piano that's like the heart of the, the human elements. And you have that modular synthesizer drone sound kind of coming underneath. It's all these elements kind of mixing together in a harmonious way. But then later on, as the film kind of goes down downhill from there on, you kind of go into this digital synthesizer spiral where all the digital elements start to take over a bit, a bit more. Mm, okay, sort of reminding me of that, um, you know, that saying Instagram versus reality. It sounds like you've mirrored that quite well with the use of instruments and synths and stuff um, throughout the film. Yeah, that that was it. Um, and I think there was one that in the, the section where the... Um, where we're talking about the pandemic and kind of this alternate alternate reality, I kind of created like a, a cue that was almost like a, a fantasy world version of the film score as well. Um, and that kind of had the, the, all the human elements kind of come back in, but in kind of a very mechanical, fantastical way. Okay. And it sounds like maybe the tech is given a sort of um, bit of a, sinister character through want of a better word you know throughout the use of the music is that is that correct yeah it, it definitely is sinister sinister um it's sort of like this um and this is what i what i created with the modular the synthesizer is it's this element that's kind of drawing us into the into the score and into the story without even knowing um it's this underlying undercurrent that kind of goes throughout the film and um, it's just, it's not quite harmonious. It's not quite on pitch. It's just a little off. And that's kind of how you, that's why you feel that uneasiness throughout the film as well. Mm, okay. I see. Yeah. And um, so how does the orchestral side of the score come into it? Cause I've seen your, um, there's a brief sort of making of um, video on your website, isn't there? So I watched that earlier and that looked really interesting. So how did that come into it? Yeah, um, like I said, the you know the the um, narrative side 
of the film score at the very beginning is definitely very orchestral based. And I thought of the orchestral elements as sort of the, that's the human creativity part. That's the human spirit. That's the human heartbeat. Um, you have that, um, that those, that rich depth of emotion, um, depth of, uh, uh, what's the, what's the word? <laughs> the depth of sound, mm-hmm. um, in the score and um but then as yeah then as the digital takes over it's sort of like it's it's just warping it and making it um yeah it's warping it (laughs) Mm, no that totally makes sense um i'm just curious as well given that you said some people said it's um reminds them of a horror film in some parts and just from getting the watching the trailer sorry i I can definitely see that i was wondering if you borrowed from any tropes from genres like horror or sci-fi or that kind of thing yeah, I mean, I, I thought about uh, kind of going back to the uh, the human elements and the orchestral elements. Um, I thought about how to almost like a like a horror film where you you see like the the um, humans kind of transforming into a monster. It's sort of like the the human elements and the orchestral elements turning into something that's not them and kind of dehumanizing them a bit. Um, so I thought of them as. Um, I worked with an awesome co-producer, uh, uh, Connor Abbott Brown, who who you know we talked about how do we how do we make some interesting sounds with these uh, orchestral elements to make them sound more mechanical and sound make them sound more like they're getting taken over by a machine. Um, and so we you know we had one scoring session where we just focus on all the all the special effects elements of the strings. And thinking about, uh, you know, what Bernard Herrmann did with Psycho, um, or I'm, and I'm blanking on the name, but uh, Under the Skin, the mm-hmm. uh, composer for that one, uh, what she did with with the um, digital elements and versus the orchestral elements there too. Mm, okay, and um, when you watched it back, was there any scene in particular that you were? Um, you know, particularly proud of what you thought actually that's worked so well, like that you're really pleased with how it turned out. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed scoring um, the last scene, uh, which is the cue shut it down, um, just because that's the moment in the film where the um, human elements start to come back into the score. And it's it's this part in the story where we're talking about how humans may uh, live in harmony with technology and, uh, we might find a way out of this, this mess. And so I, I kind of thought of the, the, the way that the instruments would integrate was they would be, they would harmonize and working with, uh, uh, Richard Gould over at Skywalker, he created these sound designs for the, um, uh, for the, uh, AI world. And so he would harmonize the room tone or deharmonize it based on where, where we were at in the story. So that was the point at the very end was when the uh, sound design harmonized with my music. Mm, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And I've explained it. Um, and you've, I think you've got a home studio, haven't you? Is that right in saying? Yeah, I have a home studio in my basement. And then I also mm. work with a, um, local studio here in Longmont called Wind Over the Earth, uh, Mark Manesio over there. Um, and he works with me on, you know, recording a lot of the the uh, players. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got to. That makes sense. So I'm just curious, and um, our readers and listeners are always interested in the tech that people use for certain projects. So, um, you know, the social dilemma. Did you use any? I don't know. Maybe key plugins or door or virtual instruments or anything that um, you know really helped you out on this project to get the sound right. Yeah, I, I work in I work in Logic, um, and uh, you know because I knew there was going to be orchestra elements that I really did want to record um, just to get that depth of sound and that, that human emotion in there. Uh, I mocked up a lot of the orchestral elements using Spitfire audio uh, chamber strings. Um, let's see, sim, uh, Cinesamples, Tina Guo, um, cello, um, and so yeah kind of creating these mock-ups to show Jeff and Davis um, what I was working on and then seeing, showing how the the digital elements would kind of come in and interact with that. Okay, that's interesting. And just touching on, um, you know, Spitfire's chamber strings there. Oh, sorry, easy for me to say. <laughs> um, how, um, <laughs> how helpful was that in, when it came to this particular project? Yeah, I mean, I love I love Spitfire's, uh, a lot of their, their instruments. I mean, the thing I've, I think I've gotten uh pretty great at over the years is making making the mock-up sound really really realistic and it's now even uh easier these days with some of the virtual instruments that are out there Mm -hmm, exactly and um i saw as well you also produced arranged and wrote the additional lyrics for a cover of i put a spell on you which of course features in the film and it's got a twist on you know the song's original lyrics about social media's hold over us um i actually thought it had a bit of um a theatrical element to it it reminded me a little bit of hamilton actually with the spoken word part of it i wondered if that was um maybe not intentional but somehow influenced by that yeah definitely definitely influenced i think uh that we watched my wife and I watched Hamilton for the first time this summer and um, was just really taken uh, was really inspired by Renee Elise Goldsberry's performance in that uh, with their song satisfied. And we just yes, listened to it over and over. That's my favorite one. That absolutely, yeah. I agree. Yeah. And so we just kind of, I kept on, I had that bug in my ear for a while. And then when it came time to, you know, we wanted to do this cover before I put a spell on you. I thought there was just a really nice um, section to, to put something in there that would um, to elevate the message of the film and to, to take the conversation to a music level. I put a spell on you Because you're mine You better stop Did you feel a bit um, a bit of pressure, maybe, because it's such a classic song, isn't it? You know, you're doing a bit of a new twist on it. Yeah, um, I the first time I heard it in the film, I was just I fell in love with it. It was just an incredible. Um, and you know, we thought about doing a cover of "I Put a Spell on You" 
back then, but we just didn't have a lot of time. Um, and when it came time, you know, discussion, the discussion came up again about, you know, could we do a cover of this song? Um, I started thinking about, you know, what would it sound like in the style of the film score, you know, thinking about digital versus human elements and uh, almost like the, the classic song was put through this, this filter and looked and seen through this new lens. Mm. Um, so I, you know, I, I kind of mocked it up uh, and we, we recorded it. And then luckily we got Brandy Carlisle and Renee Elise Goldsberry on board. Um, and they just added, oh, you know, amazing performances to mm. it. Um, Brandy Carlisle kind of brings like this very soulful, feel and she has a lot of emotion in her voice and then uh renee Elise goldsbury adds that punction that punctuation mark that exclamation mark to the new additional lyrics too mm, yeah absolutely and um so now this, this is out in the world you know millions of people have seen it so what's next for you mark what are you working on that you're allowed to talk about um obviously um what's gonna be coming up maybe this year or what are you hunkering down in the basement doing at the moment yeah kind of working on a, a couple of different documentaries uh a little bit early on in the development, so I can't say a whole bunch about it, but mm. um, I, I love working with filmmakers at early stages of development with the, with the documentaries, just because I like to integrate my music into like the early DNA of the, of the film. Um, so they have a, a good, um, good uh, base to build their, mm. their story off of. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And, and then I've also just been working on a bunch of original songs too. I think the, after working on, I, uh, I put a spell on you in the cover of that. It just opened up a whole new world of, you know, song producing and just thinking about how to, how to approach that side of music as well. Oh, okay. That's nice to hear that that's awoken that side of you. And um, are you planning on releasing these anytime soon and in what format? Uh, sorry, uh, didn't hear you. What was that? Um, are you planning on releasing any of the songs? Um, I, I hope so. I think so. Um, we'll see. I, there, it, I take a lot of time on um, original songs and just songs in general. So I like to get them. I like to get them right. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I suppose we've um, got nothing but time at the moment, Mark. So um, it's nice that you've got that to that time to actually sit and work on them, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, Mark. It was a pleasure to talk to you and about this project and your work for it and everything. Um, so now I'm looking forward to seeing this even more. Now I can pay attention to your score while I'm listening to it as well. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for having me, Alice. <laughs> oh, you're so welcome. Um, hope you have a productive, you know, day and week. And maybe we'll catch up in future sometime, or maybe see some of your songs making out in the world. Who knows? Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Cool. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.